Welcome to the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. To stay connected, go to revivaltoday.com. And now, here is Evangelist Jonathan. Take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 8. I had something kick up in my spirit while we were driving, and I've been on a little bit of a kick on this anyway for some reason. Matthew chapter 8. Matthew, the 8th chapter. Verse 14. The subtitle in my Bible says, Jesus heals many people. When Jesus arrived at Peter's house, Peter's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. But when Jesus touched her hand, the fever left her. You know, there's some churches where they teach that sometimes God makes you sick because in those times you learn to trust him. You'll hear people say, when I was sick, I went to the hospital and I was able to witness to my doctor. But you can't find anywhere in the Bible where Jesus made people sick. You won't find anywhere in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John where Jesus laid his hand on a healthy person and made them sick. But you will find a lot of places where he went around finding those that were sick and laying his hands on them and they'd be healed of serious things and of less serious things. Peter's mother-in-law was not in bed with with, uh, cancer. She was in bed with a high fever. Anywhere Jesus saw sickness or infirmity, he attacked it. Can you say amen? Amen. Now, I'm going to say the thing I said in the beginning, and I won't have you repeat things all night, but I want you uh, to repeat that. Say, God is a rewarder. Well, once you understand that, then you start getting into how does God reward? How is God interested in rewarding those that diligently seek him? One of the ways you're going to find from Old Testament to New Testament is healing. Take a, take a marker. Keep it in Matthew chapter 8. Turn to Exodus chapter 15. Exodus chapter 15. This will show you the consistent nature of God through the entire Bible. You remember Jesus said, I and the Father are one. I only do what I see my Father do, and I only say what I see my Father say. Jesus healed a lot of people in the Bible. If sickness is from God, then everything Jesus did was to undo his Father's work. That that doesn't make any sense. You're going to find in the Bible that sickness is not a normal part of life. Now, you come to America, America makes the bulk of its money. It used to be on oil and gas and uh, manufacturing and building planes and manufacturing steel, like where I'm from. I live in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. There used to be 48 active steel plants there, and now they're all closed down. And the number one thing, like most cities, is pharmaceuticals, healthcare, and insurance. So when you turn on TV, about one out of every three commercials is trying to get you focused on sickness. Are you a woman over the age of 50? You should say right back to your TV, none of your business. I'll ask the questions here. This is my house. Are you a lady over the age of 50? Are you a man over the age of 55? Are you experiencing tiredness or fatigue or depression? Then try this pill. Because America now makes its money. Number one, they get you focused on sickness. Number two, they don't want you to get off. They don't want you to get healed. Because if you get healed, CVS and Walgreens and Walmart Pharmacy don't get paid anymore. So they want to make you a constant patient 
where they treat the symptoms but never annihilate the disease. So because of that, when people, I don't know how it is in Mexico because I didn't grow up there, but I know how it is in, in America, that people then just start feeling that sickness is a normal part of life. How many know, you'll even hear it from the platform. How many know we all, we all get sick? No, that's not a scripture. You need to make up your mind that I'm not, I'm, if, you, if it's not in the Bible, I don't believe it. You have to show me in the word where you're saying what you're saying is true. So a lot of the things that even your Christian family, because they don't know better, they'll repeat, well, we all get sick. Well, when you get older, that floor gets further away every year. When you, get, when you turn 50, your eyes are the first thing to go. When you turn 50, your ears are the first thing to go. You listen to these people, you'll be in a coffin by next Thursday. Because the Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. But when you get the word of God in your heart, the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You, start, you stop saying those dumb things and you start saying anointed things. Like Jesus is my healer. As my days are, so shall my strength be. That's going to be your new reality from tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. If you believe it, can you shout a loud amen? Amen. So let's see. Look at God the Father in the Old Testament. Exodus 15. Verse 22. Then Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea, and they moved out into the desert of Shur. They traveled in this desert for three days without finding any water. When they came to the oasis of Marah, the water was too bitter to drink. So they called the place Marah, which means bitter. Then the people complained. And turned against Moses. What are, you going to, what are we going to drink, they demanded. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help. Now, they hadn't had anything to drink. They're in the desert. I mean, if we were out walking today, right now, in this heat, and we couldn't find any water, there'd be problems. People would start dying soon. Then when we finally found water and got excited, and then we went to drink, and it was full of bacteria and virus and some mold or whatever's grown on the top, they said, we can't drink this water, we'll die. Then the Bible says, God showed Moses a piece of wood. If you read, D.L. Moody was a Baptist preacher. He said that wood was a type of the cross. Because if you ever go to a water park, sometimes a kid will, will use the bathroom in the pool and they have to clear the pool out. Well, they have to do a major chemical treatment to the water to clean it. They don't take a stick and throw the stick in the water and go, all right, everybody can go back in. Wood can't clear water out. This was a supernatural thing that God showed Moses a piece of wood. That wood was a type of the cross. And when Moses threw that wood in the water, the Bible says it cleared all that virus and bacteria and scum out, and the water was sweet to drink. Then God said, see how I did that with the water? I'm doing that to show you something. Exodus 15. I think somebody over there got it. Exodus 15. It was there at Marah that the Lord set before them the following decree as a standard to test their faithfulness to him. He said, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, obeying his commands and keeping all his decrees, then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases that came on the Egyptians. You know, I've heard people, even full gospel people, they'll say, how many of you know, you'll never know God as a healer unless you get sick. In other words, you have to get sick to know God as a healer. God didn't say he'll heal you when you get sick. He said, if you do what I tell you to do, 
I won't allow any sickness or disease to come upon you, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. In other words, well, you can tell this is an easy place to preach. You can tell uh, from that scripture that that wood being a type of the cross, it cleared out all the disease. God said, if you serve me the same way I cleared all that disease out of the water, I will clear that disease out of your midst, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. If you believe it, can you go ahead, clap your hands, give Jesus a mighty hand clap and shout. Let the devil know he's in for a very bad Tuesday night. Somebody shout hallelujah. Yeah, I like that scripture. And then it's not like that's the only scripture. Psalm 91 didn't say you'll get attacked, but then God will rescue you. It says no sickness or disease will come near your dwelling. Psalm 91, no sickness, no deadly plague will come near your dwelling. People say, yeah, but Jonathan, I know the Bible says that, but I have a child that's sick right now, or someone in my house is sick right now. Step one to turning things around is getting an understanding from the Bible that what's happening is against the Bible. And because it's against the Bible, I have grounds to take what God said by force and throw the devil's sorry backside straight out of my house. There's a great preacher from, from Canada. His name was Dr. John G. Lake. He had a mighty miracle ministry. In fact, they brought a woman to him that had a 30-pound tumor. This is in the early 1900s. In South Africa, she had a 30-pound tumor on her belly. And they brought her for prayer. Think of that, 30-pound tumor. And he put his hand on her belly and said, I command you to be healed in Jesus' name. She don't look any better. Two days later, they sent him a wire. They said, Dr. Lake, he wasn't a doctor. They called him Dr. Lake because so many people got healed in his meetings. They said, your handprint is burned a quarter of an inch deep into that woman's tumor. Your handprint is on, is burned a quarter of an inch deep into that tumor. And a couple days later, the tumor fell off and there was brand new skin. Well, do you know how Dr. Lake, do you know how Dr. Lake's ministry started? Because he was raised in a church that didn't believe in healing. A lot of churches teach that healing stopped when Jesus went to heaven or when the last apostle died. That also is not a scripture. In fact, the Bible says in Acts 2, this promise pertaining to the Holy Ghost is to you, to your children, and many that are afar off, yea, even as many as the Lord your God would call. Now, nobody here is old enough to have lived in the late 1800s. And probably nobody's old enough to have lived in the early uh, 1900s. I think all those people are gone now. But if you know, some of you would know from your grandparents, it was normal. If somebody had seven children, only four of them would make it to the age of 15 or 16. It was normal. If you had nine kids that two of them died after childbirth or before they hit two. Well, in Dr. Lake's family, he had, I think they had 13 kids. And seven of his brothers and sisters died and six lived. Then his mother got sick and died. Then his wife got sick, and he said, I had enough of it. So I heard there was this minister. He was from Australia. His name was Dr. John Alexander Dowie. And he said, I heard he was in Chicago. I heard he was very controversial. But I sent a letter and said, my wife is dying. I need prayer. And he prayed from there, and my wife was healed. So we moved to Chicago because I wanted to hear what he taught on the Word of God. This is what he said. He said, when I found out from the Bible... That sickness is against the will of God. Now think of this. If you think sickness is a normal part of life, which people teach, you know what people say? Because I grew up in churches like that. What they'll say is, um, how many know though the Bible says there's healing? 
We live in a fallen world and everything's been corrupted by sin. Did you know everything hasn't been corrupted by sin? The Bible is called the incorruptible seed of God's Word. And when that Word comes alive in you, the things that have corrupted the world, you now have power over that corruption of sin, sickness, disease, and death. The Holy Bible. Can you say amen? Amen. He said, when I found out that sickness isn't the will of God. Now think of that. What you don't know, what does the Bible say in Hosea 4, 6? My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. So if you think you have to put up with something, you'll put up with it. But when you find out from God's constitution that I don't have to put up with that, I don't have to put up with the devil's mess. Jesus paid a high price 2,000 years ago that I can be entirely free from every oppression of the devil. And that will never change. I can have what God said I can have. I can be who God said I can be. I can do what God said I can do. And if I make up my mind on that, based on the word of God, there's not a devil in hell that can do anything about it. I'm going to tell you right up front on this Tuesday. Some of you, the last defeat that you saw is going to be the last defeat you ever see. You're coming out of this meeting to walk in victory all the days of your life, and there's not a thing the devil can do about it in Jesus' name. If that sounds like you, take 30 seconds. Clap your hands one more time. Give Jesus a mighty, mighty shout of praise in South Texas. The devil is defeated. I said the devil is defeated. Hallelujah. That's right. God's not through blessing you. Some of you have had a hard enough life for three lifetimes. God's not looking to have you suffer more. He sent Jesus to suffer on your behalf that through him you might have life. And you're going to get touched by that tonight in the name of Jesus. So he said when I found out that it wasn't the will of God. Sickness is not the will of God for any person. Thanks for one amen and one grunt. Sickness is not the will of God. That's why I started with that scripture. Jesus heals many people. Jesus laid his hands, bring the sick. All he did, he went around healing the sick. When he got done healing the sick, he found more sick people to heal. Then he told the disciples, when I go, the same work that you see me do, you shall do and greater, for I go to the Father on your behalf. As soon as you see that sickness You know that guy, John Alexander Dowie, that I told you uh, prayed for that guy's wife? He has a quote. Sickness is the foul offspring of its father, Satan, and its mother, sin. Let me ask you a question. Were there any cancer centers in the Garden of Eden? Were there any handicapped parking spaces in the Garden of Eden? Will there be any in heaven? Will there be any in the New Jerusalem? Will there be any pediatric cancer centers in heaven? No. Sickness came when the devil came on the scene. Somehow, there's a correlation between sin and sickness. Dr. T.L. Osborne called them the Siamese twins of hell. Sickness and sin. Turn to Psalm, uh, Psalm 103. How many can feel the power of God getting in your bones and your body even right now? Because he sent his word and it healed them. Psalm 105. I want to say, hey, 
You've been a great encouragement to me. God bless you. This whole family, nice to meet you. I've never met them in person, but they're on YouTube more than I. They listen to my preaching more than I listen to my preaching. I love you very much. I'm glad you're here. Psalm 105. This is what the Bible says. Sorry, 103. Now, you, no one can leave. Just remember this. If these things that I'm saying are new to anybody here, you can't leave here and say, well, that preacher said, because I'm not saying anything that's not in the Bible. I'm not coming up with any original thoughts. I'm just shouting the Bible at you. This is what God said. Psalm 103. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the what? What does God do? Good things. Let me never forget the good things. You know, the man who wrote the majority of the Psalms is David. And David went through some extremely rough times. But you can't even tell when you read what he wrote. Some of these Psalms were written when he was having his life threatened. You know, I thought God was good, but I don't know. In the midst of those times, the Bible says David would encourage himself in the Lord and say the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Sometimes you need to realize when the devil's attacking, he's trying to get you to change your confession from I believe to I used to believe. But if you hold fast your confession of faith, though the vision tarry, wait for it, for it shall speak. And tonight that word is going to speak over your life. In Jesus' name. Let me never forget the good things that he does for me. Say this out loud. God is a good God. God's a good God. Say this, the devil is a bad devil. I know, I know this is a very deep sermon. Good things come from God. Bad things come from Satan. Yeah, see, you start losing people because they, they teach everything comes from God. You know what people teach that's wrong? And if you're not careful, you're going to say amen just out of habit when I say it. How do we know God's in control of everything? No, he's not. If God was in control of everything, then that would mean he had a hand in every uh, uh, gas station that got robbed tonight. One time I was in Houston, Texas. They robbed six taco trucks in one night because the taco trucks only take cash. They don't have security. So somebody went and robbed every one of them, six in Houston in one night. You know how you know the tacos are good in Texas? I was standing in line at one of those taco trucks. There was a drive-by shooting across the street. No one got out of line. I said, oh, isn't that a shame? Was God's plan for those taco trucks to be robbed? Well, but God allowed it. God would allow me to go rob the Valero gas station tonight if I wanted to. Just because God allows something doesn't mean he wants it to happen. The Bible says, Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth, I'll bind in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, I'll loose in heaven. God actually leaves it to you what you will put up with and what you won't. And so many times religion teaches people to just accept poverty, accept your sickness. That's your cross to bear. How many of you know Jesus said to take up our cross? But your cross is not sickness. Your cross is not cancer. Your cross is your personal responsibility to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ in your generation. Sickness and disease is from the devil. But Jesus came to destroy the work of the devil. You're only one prayer away from the power of God turning everything around. Did they, 
you were able to get a microphone? I want you to say this in Spanish. There's nothing the devil has done to you that God can't do something about it tonight. There's nothing the devil has done to you that God can't do something about it tonight. No hay nada que el diablo ha hecho a ti que el Señor no puede hacer por ti hoy en la noche. And then one more time. There's nothing, nothing the devil's done to you that God can't do something about it tonight. No hay nada que el diablo te ha hecho que Dios no puede hacer algo por ti hoy. There, and, and I'm telling you, I'm not telling you that to be like encouraging or kind. I'm telling you. Whatever you have, however long it's been in your body, one thing I can tell you is we serve a miracle-working God. He is the great I am. He is the most high God. He is above all. He's higher than everything in the earth. And in heaven, there's none beside him. He's not an idol made by human hands. He is a consuming fire. And if you call on him, he will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you know not. He's a miracle-working God. He's a prayer-answering God. You know, I, my, my heart went out to that man in the taxi. Imagine praying almost 100,000 prayers. <laughs> and you can't tell one thing that that God ever did for you. I'm telling you, my dad, like I told you, my dad's been preaching for 45 years. His father preached for 62 years before he went to heaven. If I was driving a taxi and somebody said, hey, do you pray? I'd say, yes. Has your God ever done anything for you? I'd say, how, how long do you have? The things I saw God do from a young age. That's why I'm 42 years old now. My, I'm not in church because my dad makes me go to church. I saw one when I was six and seven and eight. This thing is not fake. This thing is real. God will knock the heroin addiction off of your oldest son. God will dry the tumors up out of your body. God will open your blind eye. God will unstop your deaf ears. There's nothing the devil has done to you that God won't do something about it tonight. He's a supernatural God. Then once you hit that supernatural power, it'll change you. Your Christianity becomes different. Because now you're not talking about something you've heard. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Let me never forget the good things that he does for me. He forgives all my sins. And some churches stop there. He'll only forgive your sins, but you got to be sick and poor. And one day when you go to heaven, that's what they say in the other churches. When you go to heaven, you'll be healed. When you go to heaven, you'll have a mansion. But you don't have to wait till you go to heaven. Heaven came down for you. You don't have to die and go to heaven to get blessed. Heaven came down and died for you that the blessings of God could be yours. He forgives how many of my sins? And he heals how many of my diseases? That's what the Bible says. He forgives all my sins. And he heals all my diseases. When they locked the church down for COVID, I made international news because we wouldn't shut our ministry down. I kept preaching. 
And they said, well, do you think the virus is fake? I said, no, it's real. Jesus didn't die for fake diseases. He died for real diseases. But when it says all, all means all. What's all? Toto? Toto means toto. All means all. All diseases there are now. You know what the Bible actually says in Deuteronomy 28? It says every sickness and disease there is, even those not mentioned in this book, are part of the curse. And Galatians chapter 3 says, but Christ has redeemed us from all the curse of the law. Somebody say, I am redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Sickness is of the devil. If you ever had any sick people in your family, you know it's of the devil. Sometimes when I hear preachers in suits talk about how sickness is good, we should not. I think you must have never had anybody sick in your family, my friend. Because you, you would have to be, you, you could never have been around sickness to think it's good. Nobody's that stupid. If you ever had somebody with cancer in your house, I'll tell you when it flipped for me. I got a call when I was in Canada. We had a two-week meeting, and God did mighty miracles in that meeting. And on Saturday, when I was getting ready to leave, a lady that got saved on Friday said, before you leave, can you pray for my niece? She has stage two cancer. I said, sure. So I drove to the hospital, and I went in the room, and uh, you know, you know how it is, some of you that are Christians, for some, it's a spiritual thing. You go to the family reunion, you're not being mean to anybody, you're not telling anybody they shouldn't drink beer, but it's like all the unsaved people stand at one side. So it's like a spiritual wall. So I walk in, I didn't charge any money, and I wasn't charging any money, I was going just to pray for the girl. You'd have thought I was the devil, the, the, the family of English. So I walked over to the daughter, she was 10. Her face was swollen from the treatments and the cancer. Her hair was all gone. Now, when I walked through that waiting room, that was what drove, that was 2000, I don't know, 9, 2010. That drove any remnant that I still had in me from Bible school that, well, sometimes maybe God wants people to be sick. When I walked through that waiting room and saw there wasn't one person smiling, all the parents waiting to hear whether the cancer had spread when the test came back. Or maybe it only spread a little. Or maybe it was making some progress. Their child's life hangs in the balance. The Bible says in his presence, his capital H, God, in God's presence is fullness of at his right hand, pleasures forevermore. I grew up in that presence. When I walked through that waiting room, I thought, this is demonic. What, what, what is happening to these families is not of God. It's not bringing joy. It's bringing sorrow. When you go to heaven, is there going to be a lot of crying and sad music? Is there going to be any? No. Trying to bring tears into heaven is like trying to bring cocaine into America. They check you for it on the way in, and if you have it, they take it. The Bible says in heaven, the Bible says, there will be no more crying, There'll be no more sorrow. There'll be no more pain. For the old order of things is gone forever. You say, yeah, but that's in heaven. Jesus said, pray that my will that is done in heaven be done on earth. Turn to Luke chapter 13. Luca capito 13. 
Gracias. Luke chapter 13, verse 10. One Sabbath, as Jesus was teaching in a synagogue, he saw a woman who had been crippled by what? Demonial. One out of every three people that Jesus healed, there was a demon that had to be dealt with. Never an angel. Never God. Jesus never said, now my father, take your hand off of this sick person and let me heal them. No. Always evil spirit who forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. The Siamese twins of hell. Forgiveness and healing. The Siamese twins of Jesus. What heaven brings. Everybody say, forgives all my sin. Say, heals all my disease. So he saw, watch Jesus' nature. This lady didn't ask to be healed. He saw her and was bothered. Because the Bible says part of Jesus' ministry, for First uh, John chapter 3, for this reason was the Son of God made manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. Can I get that in Spanish? Destroy the works of the devil. Destruir las obras del diablo. Yeah, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Not comfort people that are being attacked by the devil. Destroy their work. He went out. I, I, he didn't like that. When he went to a little boy's funeral, he touched the casket and the funeral procession stopped. Then he ministered and the boy sat straight up and he gave the dead boy back to his mother. Because man was never meant to die. Man was never meant to be sick or have viruses or be born with organs that don't work right. So when Jesus came, he began to reverse what the devil did. Acts 10.38. If you would, put the scriptures on the screen in Spanish if you can. Acts 10.38. I know you speak English, but I'd like to learn some Spanish. Acts 10.38. That way I can communicate with my wife. We can barely talk. Acts 10.38. And no doubt you know how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost, Espiritu Santo, y con poder, e Jesús de Nazareth, y como este, Anduvo haciendo bienes y sanando a todos los oprimidos. Oppression. Por el diablo. Porque Dios estaba con él. Because God was with him. It's what separates Christ from Buddha and Muhammad. Everybody just talked. Buddha talked. Muhammad talked. But Jesus didn't just talk. In fact, in Luke chapter 7, verse 20, John the Baptist's disciples came to Jesus and said, Your cousin John the Baptist wants to know, Are you the Messiah or should we look for another? That's a yes or no question. Jesus said, Yes, I'm the Messiah. But he didn't say yes. He said, Go back and tell your master the things that you've seen today. The blind see. The deaf hear. The crippled walk. The lepers are cleansed and the poor are having the gospel preached to them. And you, you guys are very nice to preach to. And it seems like you already get everything I'm preaching, so I, I won't preach too long. But, but just in case there's um, 
a couple people that don't get it, you know. Jesus pointed to those things that he did as evidence of his messiahship. You remember when he opened that guy's eyes up in John chapter 9, who was born blind? That man told the Pharisees, you know as well as I do that never since the beginning of the world has the eyes of somebody been born blind been opened. So he said, I know that's the Messiah. I don't care what you people say. Muhammad didn't do any of that. Muhammad didn't die for anybody. He expected you to die for him. But Jesus said, I have come to die for you. To open up the door. That what Adam lost when he sinned would be restored back to people. Can you say amen? When he saw a woman who had been crippled or bent double by an evil spirit. Luke 13. He came over to her and said, Dear woman, you're healed of your sickness. Then he touched her and instantly, everybody say instantly. Immediately. Rapidamente. Quick. Jesus didn't ever have to minister to somebody over the course of four years. They got a little better. Immediately they were healed. Amen. Then he touched her, and instantly she could stand straight. How she praised God. But the leader in the charge of the synagogue was indignant that Jesus had healed her on the Sabbath day. There are six days of the week for working, he said to the crowd. Come on those days to be healed, not the Sabbath. But the Lord replied to that leader, You hypocrite, each of you works on the Sabbath day. Don't you untie your donkey or ox from its stall on the Sabbath? And lead it out to water. If you would, put all the scriptures up in, in Spanish. That way, if, if somebody is, is uh, Spanish only, they can at least get, get the scriptures while I'm talking. And then me and the uh, pastor Ortiz will help a little bit. Then, did you not untie your ox or donkey? So then, why should this woman, a daughter of Abraham, that has been held in bondage for 18 years, why should she have to suffer one more day? This shamed his enemies, but all the people rejoiced at the wonderful things that he did. Did you notice that God never got any glory when that woman was sick? But she praised God when she got healed, and the people gave glory to God when she was healed. God is not glorified through your sickness. God receives glory when you're healed. You're going to leave that. Now, you think, think of this with me. Imagine you go home tonight. And everybody that knew you knew you were sick. They never, they ever, you've had a problem like that lady. You've had a problem for 18 years. You know, this is my aunt. She's not able to eat. Uh, she's not able to hold her food down. She can only have insure or an IV. And she's very weak. And then you go home tonight and eat rice and beans and chicken. And, and then have seconds and drink and then have dessert. And your family that knows you can't eat anything that's watching you say, what happened to you? And you say, oh, you put your fork and knife down. Oh, I'm glad you asked. I went to a meeting tonight, and Jesus healed my body. I could feel that I'd been healed. Let me tell you something. Something will happen in that family. Like a rock hitting a pond, the ripples will go out. And that power will start setting everybody free. I prophesy in the name of Jesus. Many people tonight, your house that has been held captive by the devil, that bondage comes loose before 9 p.m. in Jesus' mighty name. If you receive it, take 30 good seconds. Clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I hear the sound of the armies of the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Jesus is el rey. El diablo es idiota. Es feo. Hallelujah. Praise God. I said praise God. They shamed his enemies. But the people rejoiced. When I saw those parents in that waiting room in Montreal, that's when I made up my mind. This thing's of the devil. I, I quit arguing with preachers. After that day, people say, I think sickness sometimes is from God. I'd say, you don't have a, a theological problem. You have a mental problem. You're a payaso. Payaso grande. Es feo payaso. Hallelujah. You're stupid. You're going to tell me that God put those parents? Don't, how, how do you make any case from the Bible that God did that? No, no, no. And so I brought up John G. Lake because he said, when I saw in the Bible that sickness was not the will of God, everything in my being rose up to fight sickness. If somebody tells you it's your father doing it to you, it takes all the fight out of you. Well, you know, I don't know why. And the doctor said maybe if they're going to try a new medication, it might be. Because there's, there's no violence in you. Because you think it's God doing it. But when you realize it's the devil doing it. And that Jesus already defeated the devil. That you're in a prison that's already been unlocked. It's already open. And all you have to do is walk out of the cell. Changes everything. Hallelujah. Who has a... Do you mind if I take your phone for one second? Okay, I took all of her phone. How much of your phone do you have left? None of her phone. If I take all of your brownies, how much of your brownies do you have left? None. How much of Satan's power does the Bible say that Jesus took? All of it. So how much does he have left? None. None. So if you want to go listen to other preachers that tell you how powerful the devil is, go knock yourself out. You know, we have to be careful because Satan is going around. Satan needs to be careful because we're going around. After tonight's meeting, the devil's going to check underneath his bed for you before he goes to sleep. Because greater is he that lives in you than all those that are in the world. Amen. So now you feel that in your spirit? Now think, if, he, if he's the one that's in back of all sickness and disease, and he's been dethroned, then I'm not putting up with that. I made up my mind in 2020. I don't, somebody show me a scriptural reason how I can get COVID as a child of God. If the blood of a spotless lamb in Exodus that represented the blood of Jesus kept the death angel out of the house, and I have the actual blood of Jesus... Not on my doorpost, it's been sprinkled over my head. Then I'm on the do not touch list. 
Can you say amen? Yeah, you don't touch me. You touch me, God will break your hand. Because my protector is God. I order my angels to protect you anywhere you go. And I preached, I, if you watch, some of you watched, I preached for two and a half years during COVID, unbroken. I preached in late March. I preached in air. I don't mean on Zoom. I mean in person and laid hands on people that had can- I preached overseas where people have open sores. They don't even know what the disease is. And they treat it. Where do you see in the Bible Jesus nervous about disease? And a leper came to Jesus, and Jesus said, okay, be careful. No. His hands were weapons. And he said, the same power that I have, all power in heaven and on earth has been given unto you. Check that scripture out. Didn't you untie your donkey to come to the synagogue today? Then why is it wrong for me to untie this daughter of Abraham whom Satan hath bound? Who bound her? Satan bound her. Who gave Job his sickness? That's right. Job 2.7. Then Satan went forth from the presence of Job and smote Job with boils. Sickness is of the devil. Acts 10.38. Put it up in, in Spanish again. No doubt you know how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing and healing who were oppressed by for God was with him. So that scripture along with Luke 13 and Job 2 7 shows you that all sickness and disease the person in back of it's the devil and Jesus went around destroying it because God was with him. So explain to me why I have to be sick any day this year. Explain to me why I have to get sick. Well, you're still young. You wait. Okay. Let me fly my dad in for tomorrow night. He's 65. He's healthier than me. My father has been preaching for 45 years and has not missed one meeting for sickness or disease. Not one. Now, well, so what? We're just lucky? No. Your life's determined by what you discover in the Bible. Now, think of this. John G. Lake went from being victimized by sickness and disease in his life growing up. There's people here like that because the devil never changes. There's people you're, from the time you were little, hospital trips, somebody in the family, or it was you. Mother's sick, brothers and sisters sick, you sick. Then you got married, it's it with you now. Even older, it never left. Husband sick, you sick. And the devil wants you to think it's a part of being old age or that's in our family. Kidney disease runs in our family. When you get saved, you join a new family. God is your father. Jesus is your elder brother. And the devil is no relation at all. Can I tell you something? Tonight, there are hereditary diseases that are going to die with you. That thing that has plagued your family comes to an end tonight, and there's not a thing the devil can do about it in Jesus' name. So rejoice and be glad, for the Lord has given you the victory. Come on, let's take 30 seconds. Clap your hands one more time. Celebrate it. Oh, you sound good. Let the people rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Somebody shout amen like thunder. Man, I'm glad I came. 
What a great place. No no wonder the devil's trying to mess this place up. He knows who's living here. He knows his greatest nightmare is coming out of the RGV. Be blessed in Jesus' name. You can be seated. Turn back to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew 8. 14. Hallelujah. I know that word in Spanish. Hallelujah. Matthew 8, 14. When Jesus arrived at Peter's house, Peter's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. But when Jesus touched her hand, the fever left her. And she got up and prepared a meal for him. 16, that evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. He cast out the evil spirits with a simple command. Let's say a simple command. If you pay me $89.99, I'll enroll you in my 40-day deliverance course. If you need 40 days to cast a demon out, you're not born again. You're just taking people's money. He cast out the spirits with a simple command. And he healed how many of them? He healed all the sick. If some minister tries to put it in your brain that God wants people to be sick, you're dealing with a clown. The Bible says, study to show yourself approved. The labor that needeth not be ashamed. They should be ashamed. I put a picture up on, on my social media today. There was a lady two Sundays ago at our home church. By the grace of God, my wife and I began a church in Pittsburgh 19 months ago. And God's been moving strongly in that place. I'm going to show you the picture. If you can see the picture from here, you should be in the Air Force. Can you see, I'll walk around so you can see it. Can you see how thin this woman is that came for prayer? I'm not the most gordo person there is. And she, she makes me look fat. She's skin and bones. She must, if she, do, if she weighs, uh, if she doesn't weigh, if she doesn't weigh 90 pounds, she might be in the 80s. She's definitely not 100 pounds. I mean, look, this is like bones around me. Now you're going to tell me that as a minister in Christianity, and Christianity is Christianity is the carrying on of the work of Christ on the earth. The only reason Christ left the earth was so we could be endued with his power to carry out his work at a more rapid pace. And I'm not wrong. You're telling me that you think you can make a case from the Bible that when that woman asks if I can pray for her, I'm supposed to say, no, I think God wants you like that. No. He healed all. How many of the sick did Jesus heal? Let me see uh, Matthew eight sixteen and 17 in Espanol, por favor. Y cuando llegó la noche, chaharam a el muchos endemoniados. So that's demon-possessed people. Y con la palabra, echo fuera a las demonios. So what's that? By his word? 
lift. Y sano a todos las There you go again. There's demons and infirmity. When Jesus saw it, they didn't bring him all the sick and he said, um, you, you, and you, and then you all heal when I come back next year, but it's not your time yet. He healed all the sick. I wrote on Twitter, any pastor or teacher who would attempt to have you believe that God has an inkling of desire for you to remain sick is a clown. When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with a word. And he healed all that were sick. Verse 17. Para que se cumpliese. Lo dicho por el profeta Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, who said, he alone, say in Spanish for me, I want to hear it. El mismo tomó nuestras enfermedades y llevó nuestras dolencias. Uno más, por favor. El mismo tomó nuestras enfermedades y llevó nuestras dolencias. That it might be fulfilled. What Isaiah the prophet said, himself took my infirmities and he took my sicknesses. The full price for my healing, I'm talking me, has already been paid. And the full price for your healing has already been paid. When you hear people say, oh Lord, please heal Janet. God's in heaven going, what more do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Do you want me to send my son back? To take another lash on his back for you? No. The first one was enough. The full price for my healing. The full price for my joy. The full price for my peace. The full price for my dominion. My overflowing cup has already been paid. And it has for you as well. So I say in advance, congratulations on receiving tonight what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. He healed all who were sick. You can, keep, you can keep playing. I'm wrapping up. He healed all. Has he changed? Will he ever change? Exodus 14. I am the Lord God and I never change. How, how could you say that God's not a healer now? He was a healer before there was a covenant with man after the fall. He was a healer in the, in the Old Covenant. He was a healer through Christ, and he healed at, uh, in the dispensation of the Holy Ghost. When did it stop? He didn't say, I'm God and I can heal. He said, I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord who healeth you. You. I want you to say this because it will make it personal. Put your right hand on your belly. Close both eyes. And say, you are the Lord who heals me. The Lord who heals me. And there needs to be an element of that in you. If no one else gets anything in this place tonight, I'm getting it. God doesn't heal groups. God doesn't save groups. He saves individuals. And a group of individuals can get saved. But everybody has to apply the blood for themselves. Glaucoma. Macular degeneration. Pancreas that isn't regulating insulin, heart that's been damaged. I'm talking about like your actual heart. Scar tissue, you've had two heart attacks and there's scar tissue there. 
There's nothing the devil's done to you that God won't do something about it tonight because he already did something about it 2,000 years ago. Maybe tonight you're just finding out about it. Can you say amen? Can you say a better amen? amen? So I want to show you some illustrations so you know I'm not a liar. Two weeks ago when I was in Hobbs, New Mexico, they wheeled the lady in, and this is a big deal for me. Maybe you have people get out of wheelchairs all the time, but for me it's a big deal. And it's something I fasted and prayed to see happen more. So when it happens, I get extremely happy. They brought this lady in, and she's in a wheelchair, and I prayed for her, and they wheeled her back out. And then Friday, she was back in the meeting, and I saw her, and she looked healthier. She had that gray look of infirmity to her skin. You tell, you know, her blood wasn't right and stuff. It's not good for you to sit in a chair. And when you're, you know, beyond not being able to move your legs, when you're in a wheelchair all the time, it crushes your bladder and your kidneys and messes your organs up. So now she looked healthier. And so I noticed her at the back. And I said, I said, hey, you look better. I'm going to show you what happened. This is just two weeks ago. And then I'm going to pray for you tonight because there's no such thing as hot streaks in the ministry. It's not gambling. But whatever the equivalent of a hot streak is, there's been something flowing in our ministry. It always could have. It's my fault it hasn't. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it, it's been flowing. The miracles of God. El milagros de Dios. El poder de the power of God. And I love it. I used to love it when I was six and seven and watch it in my dad's meeting and my uncle's meeting. I thought, wow. Even that same night, we don't have it on video, but they brought a lady up. I said, what would you like prayer for? And she looked at her friend and went, what did he say? And her friend said, she's deaf. She was really deaf because, and I forgot, I, I said, I said, uh, lift your hands. And she went, what did he say? I'm talking like from here, stone deaf. She lifted her hands. I put her, my fingers in her ears because that's how Jesus prayed for the deaf. Jesus didn't say, Lord, give them grace as they go through this heart. No, no, no. You're not going to read that in the Bible. That's what backslidden preachers have turned Christianity into. And that's why there's a heroin problem and a meth problem and a fentanyl problem. Because if you let the power of God go out, dark power moves in. But if you move the power of God in, darkness has to move out. Because darkness cannot drive out light. Light drives out darkness. And I prayed for her. And she came up to me after this lady got out of the wheelchair. And said, I can hear everything. And then I stood behind her. We should, you should pull that video. Maybe we'll play it tomorrow night, uh, Jake. Because it, it's the same service. I stood behind her and talked. And she where she couldn't read my lips and she said everything I said, said thank you and gave me a hug and left. Amen. Let me, let me ask you a question. What do you think is going to happen when she goes back home and she's listening to everyone talk and not having to have you do sign language? What do you think? How, who in her house is going to go, I don't believe in all that. You have to believe in it. It's sitting right in front of you because it's not a theory of miracles. It makes you a miracle. There's going to be many miracles that leave this place and walk around and are living proof that your God is not dead. He's alive. Go ahead, roll it. Enjoy. Shame on the devil.
Okay, well, I'm not. Just tilt your head to the right. What? No! She said, I, she said, I don't want to touch it. Look at her smile. Pause it. Pause it. See her smile? Now leave that up. Now if you could have seen what she looked like the day before in the wheelchair coming to church for the first time. There's no smile. Nobody with her smiling. It's, it's sickness is bad. Que malo. It's no bueno. But then when the healing comes, she's smiling. She gave me two laps around the auditorium. Her family that was with her that sat there like this. They're jumping like they just won the World Cup. Can I tell you something tonight? Every tear that the devil's made you cry. The only tears you're going to cry for the rest of your life are tears of joy, saying, surely the Lord has done great things, and it begins tonight in Jesus' name. Jump up on your feet, everybody. Sister Clarita, come to the mic if you would. Say it out loud. Jesus is a healer. Say, he's a wonderful healer. I'm going to have... Sister Clarita sing the song that says, I expect a miracle today. And we sing it at our church. Ever say, I expect a miracle. You know, if a stinky person comes into your house, you expect your house to stink. Because that's what they are. If you serve a God who's a God of healing and miracles, you should expect when he comes, miracles come with him. Well, if he wants to, I'm open to it. You won't get anything. Faith puts a demand. If nobody else gets anything tonight, I'm taking everything for myself. And God likes that kind of selfishness. You know, it's the only thing he told you to covet. Covet earnestly the best gifts. And healing and miracles are two of the best ones. Now, think of this with me before we sing. This will help you. Anything that's been damaged can be healed. And anything that's too damaged to be healed can be replaced. God can give you a brand new kidney. God can give you two brand new kidneys. In fact, I was preaching in Georgia and a lady got prayer. She had to go for dialysis three times a week, which is the most you can go for dialysis. And um, 
when she went back to her next appointment after getting prayer they said you don't need dialysis today and you never have to come back for dialysis again the doctor said this is an older lady the doctor said it says if you got two new kidneys new kidneys so if something's too bad to be healed God has spare parts amen give you new eyes give you a new eardrum new auditory nerve you work around loud machinery you fired rifles you're a musician got to replace what time is damaged he's a miracle working God I want you to lift both hands as the anointing comes in some of you're gonna get healed even as we're singing go ahead Let it rip. lifted I'd like you to put first John chapter 5 verse 18 in Spanish on the board father in the name of Jesus I thank you that right now as we feel your mighty presence here that that power is going into bodies and making every crooked path straight let every irreversible thing be reversed now to give glory to your name I pray you would do something, oh Lord, this is my request, before these three days are out, that would reverberate through the entire town of Harlingen. A mighty, mighty miracle that would be impossible for the town to ignore. In Jesus' name, let not one person leave here bound, tormented, addicted, oppressed, even if like that lady in Luke 13, they've battled for two decades. Let an end come to it now in Jesus' name. 1 John 5, 18. In Spanish. 1 John chapter 5, verse 18. The Bible says in the King James, we know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. <laughs> 
I mean, no, we all sin. No. When you become born of God, God's life is in you and you have power over sin. There's a guy that came to my church on Sunday for the first time. He's 40 years old. He's a personal trainer and he had his girlfriend with him. He said, we don't go to church much, but the church we went to would make me angry because they would say we all sin. And he said, I would think to myself, I already sin. I want to stop sinning. And he said, I, I thought to myself, I feel like if we try to live perfect, God will give us the power to do it. I said, you're correct. So what, what hope is there for people if they want to stop sinning and they tell people in church you have to keep sinning? What hope is there if they tell people sickness is a part of life when Jesus said, if you ask me, I'll take it from you. I'll finish the, the verse. But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself. Everybody say self-control. And the Bible says the wicked one, who's the devil, touches him not. Not he binds you and then you pray and he lets you go. There's actually scripturally something you can enter into where you go on the do not touch list. I like, the, what's the do not touch part of that? Io maligno no le toca. No le tocas, don't, don't touch. So the evil one, not the evil one can't attack you, he can't even touch you. So notice how sin and sickness always went together in the Bible. They still go together. Cocaine kills heart tissue. You inject heroin or fentanyl into your system, it'll put disease in your blood, which wears out your liver. Any sin, alcohol kills your, your liver. It's poison. Sexual immorality puts disease in your blood. Sin brings sickness. But when you slam the door on sin, you can keep the healing you get because the devil no longer has an open door into your life. Amen. This would probably be one of the only churches in the whole Rio Grande Valley that teaches that or preaches that with you. You don't have to go up and down. How you know life is full of mountains and valleys? No, it's not. The Bible says from glory to glory, victory to victory, and strength to strength. We all sin every day. I haven't had time to sin today. I drove here from Galveston. And I'm not going to do any sinning tonight. I'm going to go eat tacos with your pastor. That's not a sin. That's holy. Amen. God created those things. And I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to get up tomorrow. And we'll hang out, have godly fellowship. We'll have a revival meeting tonight. Knock the devil around a little bit and do it again. You don't have to live with sin having victory over you. You can live having victory over sin. And until you do that, the struggle continues. Do you remember what Jesus said when he was about to get arrested? He said, the prince of this world is coming for me, but he can't touch me because he has nothing in me. If you slam the door on sin, the devil has no access point to take you out. That's why the devil loves when pastors or teachers tell people they have to sin because then they have a continual open door to get messed up. Depression continues. Thoughts of suicide continue. But tonight, we're going to slam the door on sin. You're not going to live with sin having victory over you. You're going to go home tonight and lay your head on the pillow and be able to say, by the blood of Jesus, I'm not only forgiven, I have victory over sin.
We've seen thousands of people do this over the years, but it's not enough. There should be nobody that came to this meeting tonight that goes to hell. Jesus loves you. Maybe you didn't know what I was preaching. People, there's going to be all kinds of people that are in hell, sadly, because nobody ever told them. We had a guy that got saved in Reno, Nevada. We did an outreach at the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally, and one of the bikers got saved, then told another biker in Nevada, you need to listen to this guy, me. He started listening, gave his life to the Lord, and flew to see me in New Mexico from Nevada. I said, how old are you? He said, 39. I said, the whole time you lived in Reno, Nevada, which was his whole life, I said, Has, did anyone ever tell you about Jesus? He said, no, never heard about it. He wasn't going to hell because he chose the devil. Nobody ever told him. And some of you before tonight, you're on your way to hell, not because you hate God. <laughs> you know, my wife's Puerto Rican. Hispanic people generally do not have a problem with God. There's gang members that have Jesus's face hanging from their dashboard while they go to commit crimes. There's respect for God. But respecting God won't get you into heaven. Having a picture of him will not going to get you into heaven. You have to be born again. You have to repent of sin and make Jesus your Lord. I'm not going to have you stand up that much longer, but I, I want to tell you this. One of the things that made those meetings go continually in New Mexico... There was a kid, I say kid, he was probably 20. He ran up to the front while I was preaching. You know, which normally the ushers would, would, would take them out. But it was God. He said, something is telling me that if you'll pray for me right now, I'll be free. So I said, from what? You know what I found out? He had tried to come the night before. And as he got ready to walk into the sanctuary, he had a full seizure in the lobby. Tell me that's not the devil. One step from the sanctuary. Because the devil knew if he made it to this building, it was over. Just like somebody texted you on your way here with an emergency. That was the devil's last attempt to keep you in hell. And he failed. Because you're here, and God didn't bring you here to sit and listen to a speech. He brought you here to deliver you. He had had seizures his whole life. So I laid my hands on You know what? Pull this clip too, Jake, tonight. I'll play it tomorrow maybe. I want to have it. In fact, Ron might have it because he had a backwards Yankees hat on. When I, when I laid hands on him, the devil that caused that seizure left him. You see it. He went down violently. And I took his hat and I put it on backwards and preached. So everybody laughed thinking I was just joking around. But I was getting into the hat. So that when I put it back on his head, it'd soak in more for no seizures. So I gave him his hat back. Well, you know what happened the next night? The next night we give the altar call to get saved. And there's a guy standing there with tattoos up his neck, on his face, and he had a big bandage on his neck. And when I saw him, I thought, how did you come here? You don't look like a church man. So I was curious. I said, can I ask you a question? We had just prayed the sinner's prayer. I said, how did you find out about this meeting? The stab wound was from the cartel. He was in the cartel. He said, my brother came here last night. He's had seizures his whole life. And he said, you prayed for him. And he, he said, he knows he's healed. He said, I was in the hospital from getting stabbed. And my brother went straight to the hospital and signed me out and said, you have to come to church with me tomorrow night. God's power is in that place and God's going to help you. You know why? 
Because some of you, your family, it's been one attack after another from the devil. But it only takes one miracle, not just to turn you around. It'll turn your whole family around, and you'll be able to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It only takes one. And some of you, when you make that decision tonight, it's going to kick the devil straight out of your whole family. But you have to do it. You have to say, enough is enough. I'm not serving the devil anymore. I'm not buying into the lies of television. We all sin. We all have our demons. Oh, no. I don't have demons. I cast out demons. Christ lives in me. If you're here, young and old, and you say, Jonathan, I've never publicly given my life to Jesus Christ. Has there ever been a time where you stood at an altar publicly? and made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. Ask yourself, if not, do it with me. I'm not your enemy. I'm the best friend you have in the real Grand Valley. I'm here for you. I'm not an enemy of sinners. I'm, I'm on a mission from Jesus to rescue them. Did you see that guy that talked to me or not? That 40-year-old guy at church? He was going to go to hell, and he didn't want to go to hell. He couldn't find a church where they would tell him, you don't have to live in sin. So maybe you were in the same boat. You, why, would you come, why would you come on a Tuesday night to church anyway? So I obviously can tell you don't hate God. You not only came, you stayed. It's not Easter. Your nephew's not making his first baptism. Something in you has already decided, I don't like the path I'm going down. I need a new path. So complete the deal tonight. Jesus is here with his arms outstretched for you. He loves 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 you. That kid's brother was in, in, in the cartel in the hospital stand. Jesus wasn't saying, don't tell him about me. I don't like how he's living. No, no, no. He's the friend of sinners. He came to rescue the perishing. Have you ever stood an altar and given your life to him? If not, I want you to do it when I give this call in one minute. Number two, if you once did that, but you've fallen back into your old ways, you started drinking again, maybe during the lockdown, you felt that pressure and fear, and you turned to things that now have a grip on you, and you know you need to shake them, but you haven't been able to because man can't get himself out of sin by willpower. But the Bible says in John 1:12. Put that up on the screen if you would in Spanish. John 1, 12. As many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons and daughters of God. Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 12. As many as received him, he gave them power. Say, I don't know if I can live that way. You can't, but God will give you the power to do it. Some of you are 10 steps from heaven. When you go to that altar, it's going to get your name in the book. Some of you 20 steps. Some of you, if you stay in that blue seat, it's a sign I'm going to hell. You need to come out of that seat, come out of the crowd and make your decision tonight. Young ladies, young men, older men, older women, this is your night in Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you say, Jonathan, that's me. Tonight, I need to make my decision. I'm not going to hell. I'm not living a life where the devil runs rampant over me and my family. I make up my mind now. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If that's you, I want you to quickly put your hand up high and wave it at me, and we're going to pray. I see your hands. I see your hands. Keep them up. 
In Jesus' name. Awesome. Man, that is awesome. Awesome. Very quickly. I want those of you with the most boldness to come first. It'll help those that are more timid. But everyone that lifted a hand, come out of your seat and join me here right now. We're going to pray. Come right now. Go ahead. In Jesus' name, come now. This is your night. This is your night. You don't have to go to hell. Yes. Give your life to Jesus. Surrender your family to Jesus. Yes. Yes. One more time. Let it rip. Yes. Who else before we pray? There's a better way. You don't have to die in your sin. Yes. Yes, this is your night. Jesus loves you. Lift both hands to the Lord. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. But this is not a recital. There's a living God that will hear this prayer. Say it from your heart to God. And even as you're praying it, God will take out your old filthy heart and he'll give you a new heart. God will take the disease out of your body while you pray this and make you new. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. The old life is dead. Behold, all things become new. Say this out loud. Heavenly Father, I've come forward tonight to give you my life. Forgive me of my sins. I repent. I believe in my heart. You raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the Son of God. I receive you into my life. Fill me with your power. Give me your mind. Give me your heart. In Jesus' name, I am saved. I am forgiven. I am clean. In Jesus' name. Thank you for sharing the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. If you're interested in supporting our mission to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, please visit revivaltoday.com and click on Give Now to become one of our monthly partners. Thank you in advance. We hope to see you soon.